Welcome to Stories Jesus Told, a podcast of Trinity Lutheran Church in Freistadt, Wisconsin. Here is Trinity's Rick Adams and Pastor Carl Anbauer. Welcome back, everybody. Rick Adams here, Director of Discipleship at Trinity Lutheran Church in Freistadt with our senior pastor, Carl Anbauer. Good to be back with you again. It is great to be here. It is Thursday, June 15th. And man, this week is going fast, isn't it? <laughs> it is. It really is. And we find ourselves today in another one of Paul's epistles, 1 Timothy. Uh, we're going to start at the very first verse of chapter 2. And um, again, we're, we're, these texts that we're looking at this week are all under that umbrella of the parables, the parables of lost and found. If you think back to Sunday, Vicar Daniel's sermon on the parable of the two sons, the lost son, and uh, and then we we spent some time talking about Zacchaeus on Monday and Psalm 119 on Tuesday, yesterday reflecting on Paul's letter to the Ephesians. And so, what do you have for us today in in First yeah. Timothy, Pastor? So First Timothy, uh, the reason why this verse stands out on this topic is because we get to see very clearly, unambiguously, the heart of God. And the desire for all to be saved. But uh, the verses we had put in the devotion book uh, picked up at verse 3 with the phrase, this is good. And I thought, well, maybe we better find out what is good. So we'll start reading at verse 1, and then we'll, we'll talk about it. So from verse 1, 1 Timothy chapter 2. First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, Godly and dignified in every way. This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. I find myself going to this verse a lot when I need to remind myself that that God truly does want everybody in heaven. If it were up to him, heaven would be populated with every human being that has ever lived. Yeah. God desires all to be saved, yeah. and and there's there's um, theology out there. There's there's churches that teach otherwise mm-hmm. that that uh, <clears throat> God has predestined some people to to damnation, and uh, this verse would be the clear testimony in the opposite direction. But since that theology exists, it also comes through in some of the the ways that people talk, the ways that people think or approach uh, life and salvation, and we find ourselves kind of walking on a tightrope. Theologically here, because on the one hand, like we were talking about yesterday, we are dead. There's nothing in ourselves that we can do to save ourselves. It's nothing to my credit to be saved. It's entirely the work of God. Um, on the other hand, if God desires all to be saved and it's all God's work, well, why aren't all saved? Right. And that's the challenge yes. uh, theologically. And the reality is I that... I can still hear my theology professors at Concordia. Why yeah. some and not others? Yeah. It's the unanswerable question. Yeah, yeah. And there's a there's a reality that the the God who um, who works at salvation also chooses to allow Himself to be resisted because His goal is for us to be in a love relationship with Him right. for all of eternity, not a robot, not a servant, uh, a relationship of love. And so uh, He can be rejected, and and that's uh, it's tragic that ever happens, but it's not His desire. His desire is all people to be saved. So. 
again, it, you know, we said it was awkward to start on verse 3 because you really didn't know what the... <laughs> yeah, what is good. What yeah. was, yes. So what is it that's good? What is Paul saying is good here? Well, it's striking, isn't it? When you look at the context here that Paul is saying, pray for your kings, pray for those in high positions, because that's what allows us to lead peaceful, quiet lives that are godly and dignified. And so that seems like kind of an independent good. Mm-hmm. You know, we want to be able to live peaceful, quiet lives that aren't, yeah. we're not being bothered. And we need governments that will protect that. And we need people in high positions that will uh, make that possible. But Paul sees this direct connection between that and God's desire for all to be saved. That when we're able to live in a, in a peaceful, quiet, godly, dignified way that is going to allow the gospel right. to, to be shared. Mm-hmm. And he assumes that that's what we're going to do with those opportunities that we have yeah. living under a, a good government. Yes. Um, and I think that's, that's important for us right now because a lot of freedoms that have been taken for granted in our country for a long time are now very clearly threatened. We don't take them for granted anymore. Right. But I think we're not sure what to do about that. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's this tension between uh, sort of fighting for your rights voting for your rights, and then here Paul would say praying for your rights, yeah. right? Praying for uh, protection for the, the, the gospel. And that's, um, that's another point in and of itself, too, that the reason why we would pray for a government that protects religious freedom is so that the gospel can spread, can spread not just so that we're... Yeah, you know. and when you think about the context from which Paul was writing and how persecution of the church was really ramping up, uh, it seems unthinkable that he would be asking for prayers on behalf of, for instance, Nero, Mm -hmm. who was seeking destruction of the the Christian church. Yeah. So it's it's very counterintuitive. And yet there's freedom and there's a, a peace that comes when you really are truly from your heart praying for your enemies. We've spent a lot of time in 8th grade theology this year uh, talking about the persecuted church and how remarkable it is that it seems like whenever the church is persecuted, that's when you see a a growth uh, in the population of Christians. It doesn't seem like it should be that way, Mm -hmm. but it is. And as you pointed out before, in our country where we've had generations now of freedom, we tend to become complacent, and Christianity flatlines in yeah. terms of growth, and that's a tragedy because yeah. we've squandered precious opportunities. There's something I think a little bit cyclical about that, where you, you have you you can have this purification of the church that comes with persecution, but persecution is persecution, mm-hmm. and it does suppress your ability to to share the gospel freely, right. but that purification then can result in tremendous fruit once the, the persecution is, is relaxed, is relieved. And so um, while we live in complacency and have freedoms, we forget what we're here for, which is kind of going back again to the tie. Paul is saying, this is good. Why? Because God desires all to be saved. He, so the assumption is, if I have the opportunity to live out my faith openly and freely, living this peaceful and quiet life, but that's godly and points to Jesus, that's what I'm going to do. Because what else would I do? I mean, earth is temporary. We live for heaven. We live for for the new heavens and new earth, for the resurrection, life to come. And so why would I carve out a wonderful life to myself here 
without it having an eternal purpose. Uh, that's foreign to Paul's thinking. Yeah. Can you read from the ESV? How does how is it worded in verse three? In the NIV, it's, this is good and pleases God our Savior. Yeah, this is good and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior. So. That God our Savior. I just <laughs> took note of that because it it just struck me as a little bit out of the ordinary. We we hear Jesus, who is of mm-hmm. course God. Yes is identified as our Savior. But most often when it's just God alone, the, the word God. It's God the Father. It's God the Father or God yeah. the Creator, mm-hmm. God the Almighty. Sure. And here it's God the Savior. Yeah, and I think so Paul's trying to drive home a point here. Trinitarian theology at its best here. But uh, yeah, well, that's I, I kind of picture Paul, he's dictating this letter, and I think he catches himself having said God our Savior and explains himself in the next verse. Because <laughs> then verse 5, for there is one God. Mm-hmm. So don't be confused when I say God our Savior. There's mm-hmm. one God. And there's one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. And so he's he's explaining, like, I'm... I'm saying this because God is our Savior, because there's only one God. And so, yes, we distinguish the persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but uh, that doesn't mean we separate them. There's still one God. Yeah. Yes. I think you had a point that related to salvation. I I think I digressed from that. No, my mind, I think Paul says in Titus, is it Titus 2, where it's... um, The grace of God has appeared and offers salvation to all people. Mm. So again, it's it's attributing certainly Jesus is God as he points out here yeah. in Second Timothy, or, right? First uh, Timothy two. Um, I just it was a, kind of an unusual expression that I don't see in too many other places in the Scripture where it's God the Savior. Yeah, I don't know if there is another place in Scripture with exactly that, but um, but yeah, it highlights this is pleasing in the sight of God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. This is what God is about. This is what he's working on, working towards. And this is why you, Rick, and I, Carl, and you, listener to this podcast, this is why you live and move and breathe. You're here because God desires all to be saved. And so uh, whatever he has, um, whatever opportunities he has given you, whatever talents he has given you, whatever relationships he has given you, whatever finances he has given you, 100% of, of who we are is a part of him working because he desires all to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Yeah. And um, yeah, this, is, this world is not our home. We're still, we're still working towards the promised land and looking for him to bring others along with us. I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but that singular phrase who desires all men to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth, you could use that that same phrase in rejoice, repent, and request. Mm. I think that there's there's certainly something to rejoice about there, the fact that God wants everybody in. He does not distinguish between ethnicities or Mm -hmm. ages or anything like that. So thank God for that. Yeah. Um, I I mean, just since we're there... I do. I just praise God that there will be a day when there is no more racial tension, no more ethnic division, when the beauty of the diversity will be fully manifest. And what an awesome day that will be. I I mean, we get glimpses of it around here with a more diverse school population than we used to have and a diverse ministry with the Kareni. And it is a beautiful, beautiful thing when people from 
very different walks of life are brought together. And I've always felt like that's one of the things that really does distinguish Christianity from other world religions because other world religions tend to be ethnic based. Mm-hmm. And Christianity has changed headquarters around <laughs> the world so many times throughout the centuries yeah. that you can't pin it down to a geographic location, you can't pin it down to an ethnic group. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and it. it goes from the poorest of the poor to the richest of the yeah. rich. There's all, the, all the things that we use to divide ourselves from each other, right. they all melt away. God desires all men to be saved, and he's out here saving all of them. All of them. Praise God. Yeah. And just to kind of finish that thought about the church changing headquarters, they, most uh, people are thinking that in the, in the future, the, the, the headquarters of the Christian church is going to be sub-Saharan Africa. Yeah. So it's entirely possible. That's where a lot of the growth is. So take that fresh dot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're gonna we're gonna perhaps have to change our our lederhosen into, you know, African garb. <laughs> anyway. And, and then going to back to the rejoice repent request, staying with the idea of God desiring all men to be saved. You know, it's for me I, I need to repent of the fact that I don't always think as, as inclusively as God does. And I, I tend to have blinders where I'm more comfortable talking with somebody who is like me and uh, I'm more familiar and more comfortable. But clearly, that, that phrase is telling me, get out of your comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, yes. At least be willing to get out of your comfort zone. But mm-hmm. God may have a lot for you to do in your comfort zone, too. True. And I, I don't want to rule that out either, that you are positioned where you are in life mm-hmm. for his purposes, too. Right. And so, yeah. but yeah, where that, where that has become a barrier, that's something to, to repent of. Yeah. Yeah. And then that leads us to request. I always fall back to you on that one, you mm. know, because... What do you have for us? With what, what, what can we be asking God for here from this text? Well, I, I'm just convicted of the heart of God and that I would request that that would become our heart, yeah. you know, my heart, our congregation's heart, that we would desire first and foremost, more than anything else, all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. And I think it's so easy to get pulled into a lot of other, yeah, both both pleasures and, and pursuits in this world that aren't going to last. Also causes that just don't add up to the, you know, we, we want to solve this problem or solve that problem, but really what we need is all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Yeah. And all that other stuff melts away when you come to the knowledge of the truth. So just just keeping the main thing the main thing. Um, so for the heart of God and then the wisdom to know how to be his instruments in in that mission that he is on to seek and to save the lost that began, I shouldn't say began, but that reached its pinnacle in Jesus walking the streets of Jerusalem and Jericho, but that continues as the body of Christ continues to walk the streets of Freistadt, Milwaukee, Mequon, Germantown. Uh, he is at work, and so God grant us that love, that wisdom, um, and uh, gratitude for the fact that we we are saved. Yeah. He does have this heart, and he opened it for us. What a great thought to close on. We'll, uh, we'll let that last phrase just kind of 
end us for today. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for spending the time and uh, praying that this podcast and the devotion book uh, are beneficial to you in your walk with Jesus. And we welcome you back again tomorrow. So we'll see you then. See you tomorrow.